You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlitt. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, man, what are we, uh, two days after the uh, the loss to Tampa Bay and I'm already tired of the offseason? <laughs> it's just, it's out of control. And it's, you know, it's partly the nonsense that's being said. It's partly the fans participating in the nonsense. It's just, listen, nothing has happened. Nothing has happened. Any rumor that you're hearing is false. Nothing has happened. Aaron Rodgers basically said as much, right? It's like, I, I'm not talking to anybody about anything. We're not doing anything. I went into the locker room. I talked to the guys. You know, it was depressing. I left, and I, I'm planning on leaving, leaving, and cl- getting out of here and clearing my head. That's what's happened. The guys are upset. They want to be alone, and they're going to be alone, and that's it. So there's this, you know, I don't know. The, the biggest annoyance that I have is the refusal to believe that people just say stuff, you know? Like, they're just doing their best to answer the question that they didn't know you were going to ask. Why is it we feel like every single thing that somebody says has to be this deeply profound thing? That's what all these rumors stem from. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear the way he said it? Did you hear that? He said the word think. Which is now Rob Domofsky's thing. I didn't read the article, but I saw that he, even when Aaron Rodgers came on the air, maybe this is his attempt at trying to be uh, Florio. I don't know. But you had the Packers CEO and Aaron Rodgers come out and say, all these rumors are stupid, flat out stupid. And Domofsky comes out and he's like, I don't know, he said, think weird. Again, as though Rodgers like sits in his house and plots this out, as though they're, they're, literally creating these puzzles, right? There, there's there's hidden little breadcrumbs that they leave. I'm going to say this, and if you follow the clues, it will lead you to the truth. And man, we just, we start putting the pieces together and the words, and we listen, and it's like, oh man, did you hear him say brown? What team wears brown? The brown, he's going to the browns. But what about Bay? Oh my gosh, they're going to trade Rodgers for Baker. This is, I mean, this is literally what we do. And it's so stupid. The guy's just saying stuff, man. He's just saying... Literally what I said yesterday is exactly what has been explained, right? He's like, look, man, this sucks. It's sad. A lot of these guys aren't going to be here next year. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and me, I don't, I don't know the future either. I, you know, again, he's stumbling through his words. He realized he said something that sounded not great. Like, these people aren't going to be here next year. So he's like, and my future's unknown, too. You know, it's it's a sad thing. And boy, oh boy, we just ran with that. And now we can't be done because there's an anonymous source out there that says Rogers wants a new contract. Who? Who said that? Uh, (laughs) It's Florio has a source. Okay, yeah, it sounds about right. Just like the rumor that he's gone, he's out of here, like some other guy I've never heard of said, some blue checkmark dude. He's trying to force his way out. It's all stupid. No, no, but the contract one's different. This one's different. It's real. He does want a new contract, and it makes sense. The Packers want to do it, and he wants to do it. It makes sense. No, it doesn't. They just reworked his contract like five minutes ago. Why are they doing it again? Let me tell you exactly what's happening. This is Packer fans projecting their insecurities onto the Packers. We have no money. What are we going to do? Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. What are we going to do? I hate Jordan Love. What should we do? Oh, I've got the perfect solution. We'll rework Rodgers' contract after literally just getting done reworking Rodgers' contract because despite Aaron Rodgers getting like $100 million in cash in three months, he realizes, I don't have any money. I'm, I'm, I'm getting shorthanded here. This is, this is insane. I'm not making enough money because all his money was front-loaded. So he goes to the team and says, I want more money. This isn't fair. Within five minutes of losing to, you know, everybody, 
I mean, you lost the Super Bowl. You just, you lost. And the Packers are like, oh, that's great. We didn't know what to do. We were, we were so lost and confused and scared. We just, we, we had no plan. We extended David Bakhtiari, and we set that up in a way that we would be okay. But then we realized, oh, no, we, we forgot about this coronavirus thing. We forgot, and, and we don't know what to do, and we're scared, and we're, we're, we just need your help, Rogers. Please, what can we do? Can we, can we extend you out for another 10 years? Then make it so we can't cut you for the next five? Would, would you take that offer? And then we just don't pay you, and then we'll be okay. And forget Jordan Love, because that was a mistake, and we shouldn't have done it. And I'm sorry, and we'll trade him away. Dude. <laughs> Again, this is what I told you a, couple, a few weeks ago, days ago. I don't know when it was. The Packers are not scared. They already have a plan in place for how they're going to handle the salary cap. When they extended David Bakhtiari, they set it up in a way that doesn't conflict with their current plan to be black and under the cap be in the black they're not going to be black calm down some of them will be black but not not the white guys point is right now the green bay packers are going through several things the gm and all of them are working really hard looking at prospects for the draft the coaches are looking at the past season trying to figure out what to do namely matt lafleur has to figure out who stays and who goes and that sucks, and he really is not liking the fact that he's going to have to fire some people, and as far as I know, he's never done that before, and he's not liking this. And the players are worried about, with the exception of maybe the the current free agents who are worried about, I need a job, where's my job going to be? Kevin King, Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, those guys. With the exception of those guys, they're off trying to unwind, trying to forget. Some of them are immersing themselves in the gym, Working out, you know, Rashawn Gary's probably out working out right now. 3.58 in the morning, he's out doing push-ups. Aaron Rodgers is passed out from being drunk or a little little tipsy. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? But I'm sure he was drinking. And then tomorrow he's going to go hang out with the Dalai Lama or swim with sharks or hopefully not, but possibly find himself a new girlfriend, in which case maybe we should consider trading him. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. His value is through the roof and his play is going to go down to zero. Yeah, I said that. I know that offends some people. I don't care. It just means he's a good boyfriend. He's very attentive to his relationships. That's what you should be. You can't be sitting around focusing on football all day when you have somebody else to care about. What kind of a sick person are you that you think he can just be 100% dedicated and be in a, a healthy relationship? He's not that kind of person. I flipped it on you there, didn't I? You got it on my face. Now, look, that's not to say it's impossible they end up working his contract. I'm saying it's stupid to believe that these things are happening right now. That Aaron Rodgers stormed out of that locker room and said, I need more money, and why? Well, because because he's sick of being here, and, and they never help. They never do anything for him. What are you talking about? They literally went out in free agency and bankrupt the team. It's hilarious how people on, on both sides of their mouth can say, we have no money, also, we never go out and do anything in free agency. Why do you think we have no money? Because the GM listened to you and went out and got people. Well, he only listened to part of what I said. I also said first-round wide receiver, and he got a quarterback. So you should give Aaron Rodgers more money. No, nonsense. He had all the guys he needed. Everybody was there. This is not a situation where the fans can kick and scream and cry that stupid excuse of, well, we would win if we just had a top 10 defense. That goes out the window. The stupid excuse of, well, we would win if you just go get some help in free agency. That goes out the window. He had the number one offense in football. It was down the stretch, I believe, a top five defense. They lost because all that talent decided not to show up on game day. This is not the GM's fault. Aaron Rodgers is not oppressed. He literally just agreed to the contract he's currently under. You're telling me what? Two years later, he's decided that it's not good enough? And he's, he's, that's how every contract in the world works. It's, it's crazy when he signs it, and then after a couple years, it's like, oh, it's not that crazy. People are passing me now. Yeah, no kidding. That's how it works. You signed it, bud. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. Everybody else, well, it makes tons of sense. The Packers need cap space, and uh, Rodgers wants more money. Okay, well, the Packers need cap space, and I'm sure David Bakhtiari would like more money too, but do you think they're going to extend him after they literally, or just uh, rework his contract after they just structured it? Oh, actually, we messed it up. Let's redo it. What do you mean you messed it? You knew what the cap was when you did it. Just because those two things are true doesn't mean it's the best thing to do. And again, the reason fans are so okay with it is because they couldn't give a crap about Jordan Love. They don't even, when somebody brings that up, they seethe. How dare you bring him up? 
Who cares if, if we never play him? Who cares if we, with a stroke of a pen, which is what we would be doing, if we basically make that pick worthless? We ruin any opportunity we have to make him the next starting quarterback by ensuring Aaron Rodgers goes nowhere for the next three to four years. He's not going anywhere this year, so if we rework it, he's not going anywhere next year, and probably the year after that would be similar to what this year is. So Jordan Love would sit for 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, and then he needs a new contract, and it's like, well, should we pay the guy a contract and make him the new quarterback here, even though we haven't seen him yet? Why would they sabotage the pick? They like, they like Jordan Love. I know you don't. They do. They really like him. They traded up in the first round to draft him. They love Jordan Love. I'm really sorry to tell you that. They're very excited about him eventually taking over. That may or, that may, or may not happen. And by the way, the, the hatred of Jordan Love because he took like four snaps and didn't start is insane. Oh, he looked real bad early on. Dude, w- when are you talking about? You talking about training camp when Aaron Rodgers throws 16 interceptions in one practice? You talking about that? When we hear about all these elite players that are trash, these guys that don't even make it past week three, that are just di- dynamos? Remember how Rashawn Gary in his rookie year was unblockable? Remember all that stuff? Give me a break, all right? Just go ahead and give me a real big break. And this isn't me saying they're forcing Rodgers out. I'm saying they want to keep their options open. They're not going to just shut down their first-round pick after one year because, oh, we, we don't, because we really messed up this cap, which is all that would be. We suck, and we really messed up the cap, especially when we signed David Bakhtiari. That just completely ruined us. So let's just throw away that first-round pick that we traded up for and sign Rodgers. You think that makes sense? I think that's stupid. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe it's going to happen, but any rumor saying that that's what's currently being discussed, I think, is silly. Now, it is possible that maybe during the season, Rodgers was upset about the Jordan Love thing, and his agent came to him and said, listen, you want leverage? Go out and win MVP. Then we can talk to him about reworking your contracts so that you don't get forced out. It's not impossible, but you need to have two to tango, and I doubt the Packers are going to say, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's just lock him up, and uh, we'll just trade Jordan Love today. I just, I don't see how that makes sense. Again, this is, this is Packer fans projecting their feelings and insecurities onto the Packers, in my opinion. I think it's silly, and I think we just need to relax. Relax. I know you don't know what the plan is, but they do. It's going to be fine. Calm down. No reason for all the controversy and nonsense already. Already. They haven't even yet made the decision to fire Menenga. I mean, that, that is as big of a foregone conclusion as it comes, and Matt's still sitting around going, I don't know, let's, uh, let's go over the tape again. Not really moving at, at, at a lightning-fast pace over there. And probably part of it is just taking some time away. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're not restructuring contracts right now. And look, if you want to know what makes more sense, the scenario that I laid out that's foolish, or guys like Florio are looking to make a bunch of money by making up nonsense because of some, it's not even necessarily that it has to be made up. Look at, how, look at what Rob Domofsky did with the word think. This is what anonymous sources do, right? They kind of hear something, they get an idea. I heard from a guy who heard from a guy that this is sort of what so-and-so's thinking. And then they pass that on to a guy like Florio, and he kind of twists it in his own way. And by the time it gets twisted six different times, it comes out to sound kind of like something that it really isn't. You know, somebody overheard Rogers saying they're not paying me enough for this, and there you go, boom. They, he wants his contract restructured. That, that's all it would take. That's enough, that's enough to give them what they feel is enough leeway to not be lying, but basically make up stuff so that they can make money. Something like that would be enough to where it doesn't destroy what they believe to be their integrity. Well, no, I mean, look, the source said he's not happy with his contract, which, you know, again, is a little bit lying, but it's kind of what he said technically, if we just put it through a bunch of filters. And then again, you take that information, pass that to Florio, he doesn't seem happy with his contract, and then you interpret that to mean, well, if he's not happy with his contract, he's going to talk to the team about that. So it sounds like he's working as uh, he's trying to get a new contract. Again, I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying that's all it takes. So until I hear or see that they reworked Aaron Rodgers' contract, which again, I want to be very clear, is possible. Not saying it's impossible. I'm saying don't listen to these nonsense rumors. And again, the fact that we just were believing a rumor and then it came out to be false, and all the Packer fans are like, yeah, Florio, you're stupid. I'm never listening to you again. However, this contract thing, I mean, what, what about that? Guys, guys, please, please, guys, 
Like I oh yeah, I I always knew that last thing was ridiculous, but this one seems really seriously true. I did a uh, interview for the Vikings guys at uh, FTFN called uh, One Bar in Lupagus. Uh, I really like their show. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. But um, they've got a, a, a dynamic. you got one guy that's just like a normal fan. You know, add in the little bit of uh, he's got the, the youper thing. And he's got a flannel on. So, he, you know, he's, he's just like a, if you could draw out a Vikings fan. Then you got another guy who's just angry all the time. And it just, it's such a perfect yin and yang. I think it's hilarious. I don't know if they do that on purpose. I don't think they do. I think that's just their two different personalities. One's just, well, here's the information for today. What do you think there, Gus? I don't know which one's which, so I'm just going to call him Gus. Although that does kind of, well, one bar in Lupagus. That's hilarious that I just said Gus. He's like, I'll tell you what, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it is. The, these guys are stupid and they suck and we were stupid to believe that they would be any good and I hate this team and it's just like he's like oh yeah 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 I don't know I think it's funny and again I think the fact that they're not doing that on purpose it's not some lame shtick is uh even funnier but anyways even he just and, and I granted he's got to make something out of this interview because even the team came out and said there was nothing there but he's like so what do you think and I was like there's nothing here and he's like yeah but what if there was it's like maybe but there's not True. Let's say it happened, though. You know, it's like, this is what Packer fans do, too. Like, I know it's fake, but, like, maybe it's not, though. But it is. Yeah, I know, I know. But it, it might not be, though, right? Like, wouldn't that be crazy? Yeah, but it is, though. Uh, no, right? But, dude, if it wasn't... Like, all right, we're, we're going to end this conversation now. <laughs> so we'll say, see, usually at this point in time, I say, there we go. We're done. We're moving on. And then it just ramps up to another level, and I feel like I have to address it. I hope we're done. I really do. I'm sure um, because those guys, which I guess we're going to have to throw Domofsky in the list of those guys now, um, not that I was ever a huge fan, they don't want this to die, right? All the Packer fans going on there tagging him saying this guy's an idiot, it just makes him more emboldened. Like you're not causing him to back off. He loves it. It's, It's... I wouldn't be surprised if they're actually gauging that, if they're counting how many times he's been tagged, all these different things, looking at different markers for reaction to see the impact. And the more he gets tagged, the more he gets retweeted, the more it gets liked, the more views, the more, uh, you know, clicks on his article and all these different things that they monitor, the more they're going to do it. It's just analytics. The guy's a robot. You, You cannot hurt his feelings. It's the same with Skip. Right. I mean, it's it's I I don't like the show because I I don't find it to be analytical. It's just it's like a diet of pixie sticks. You know, it's it's just there's no substance. There's no nutritional value whatsoever. It's just sugar. And and I used pixie sticks instead of cake because I don't even think it tastes good. Some people like the taste. So for some people, it's like cake. For me, it would be like eating pixie sticks. Like maybe if I got a little taste of like one thing, it'd be okay. But I, I can't just eat it all. Day. I have no interest. It doesn't even taste that good. But he does. He doesn't care. He he will happily say things that he knows are not true, just to be able to get this kind of a reaction. And the fact that Florio's getting all this attention for going at Rodgers is like, dude, that's my thing. So he comes in even harder, and he just blames Aaron Rodgers flat out says it's his fault. He's the reason they're losing all these games. He knows it doesn't have anything to do with that. Or maybe he believes it to a a small degree, but he's going to take it too far because Florio's stealing his spotlight. So he's really going to go at Rodgers now because he doesn't care how it makes Rodgers feel. He doesn't care how it makes Packer fans feel. He doesn't care about anybody. He's a robot. He cares about ratings. He cares about his paycheck. In a way that's respectable. I'm, 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 I, 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 I don't like the product. It almost reminds me of like that, that death metal growling stuff. It's a talent that I can at least respect that you have that talent. It doesn't, it's not interesting to me. It sounds gross and stupid. I was just thinking about that this morning because I it popped up on YouTube these, you know, singers that react to other singers or whatever. It's just, it's, it's also not substance. That's, that's my pixie stick. I got a lot of pixie sticks I watch on YouTube. But it was this girl that's a very very good singer and then she started growling and it's you know it's i can respect that it's not easy to do but there's a lot of things that are not easy to do that are not also just not interesting and not entertaining and not something that i would say is a worthwhile talent right like i can make my voice sound exactly like a really loud alarm clock that's that's impressive i never want to hear you do that and it's not interesting it's kind of stupid but um congratulations on being able to make a weird sound that's kind of where i'm at with that same with the, the Florio and everything. There's, it's, it's, it's intriguing to me that you have that gift. 
you have the gift of knowing what to say, when to say, how to say it, and to have no regard for for what people think about you. I mean, that that in and of itself is admirable. It's dangerous because it's, you know, it's makes you potentially a literal psychopath, you know, talking clinical definition, not serial killer, which is just having no emotion, right? They're manipulative, um, all that stuff. And th- th- it's pretty shocking to find out how many psychopaths and sociopaths there are actually in society. They're not all just mass murderers. Little side note, I was watching a, a YouTube thing on a mass murderer. He actually worked for the mob, but they said he was a, a an actual psychopath. In other words, he uh, he was made for that job. He was a very good uh, hitman. But they talked to him, and um, this has nothing to do with football, but I find it interesting. They said that based on his disposition, how he would end up kind of just depended on his childhood. He had a horrific childhood. He said there's a lot of people who have your disposition, this sort of psychopathic way of being where you just you have a hard time feeling anything and you try really hard to just get a little bit of feeling i'm like the opposite right grew up with like anxiety and all that you just feel all kinds of stuff like you're super in tune with what's going on you know super jumpy like what was that every little word is like what does that mean anxious nervous like you know on edge all the time so i hate going out and doing stuff like man there's people everywhere like what are they doing what are they thinking i can't turn my brain off it's just going in overdrive all the time these guys like they can't feel emotions and so what what the doctor said was if people like you grow up in abusive childhoods, they tend to grow up to be very, very abusive slash potentially serial killer because that, that gives them this feeling of, of feeling. Other people, if they grow up generally with good childhoods, are more the extreme type, you know, like the guy that literally jumped out of a plane without a parachute or people that climb up the sides of mountains with, with no ropes, which always freaks me out. Whenever I see people that do that, I don't want anything to do with them because I know that they're just one bad experience away from being Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't want anything to do with those people. Plus, those people are just, they're psychos. Have you seen those videos of people doing flips on the sides of buildings? I hate that with every fiber of my being. You guys are nuts. And quite literally, so... Little, little tidbit there. So I guess we can all just be glad that uh, Florio is not a mass murderer that we know of. Instead, he uses his powers for greed, and I can respect that. All right, moving right along. So I got two different questions that are related, so I'm going to look at those. It's a little bit underhanded because he didn't actually tell me the whole question, but I'm just going to run with it anyways because I, I need the question now, and I don't have time to ask you at 4 in the morning and wait for you to respond at, at 8 o'clock. So Dan wants to know about Greg Williams. Don't remember his initial question, but I have to assume it has something to do with should we bring in Greg Williams to replace Mike uh, Patton? No. No. And I, I mean, I, I, I feel like Greg Williams is similar to Mike Patton minus the controversy. Right? He's an old school guy, throwback, angry, like get your guys ready to go out and kill people. But that's also kind of the problem. Right? That whole Bounty Gate scandal... I'm shocked that that guy still gets jobs, and, and the last place that I would ever think that he would get a job is here in Green Bay. Remember the whole, like, culture thing and whatnot? And can you imagine, like, I know there's there's something cool about, like, getting the guy to have a little bit more of an edge to him, but can you imagine, like, the goofballs that play for Green Bay, like Zadarius and Preston, how they would react? Because they're they're genuinely good people, they seem to be at least. If you get a guy like Greg Williams in that locker room, who's who's talking about, like, actual violence against other people. I just feel like he would cross a line and he would lose the locker room really quickly. And if he didn't, then he's not Greg Williams. That's what makes Greg Williams Greg Williams. He's a throwback. He's a great defensive coordinator if you played in the 90s or earlier. Today's football players don't want to hear that stuff. With the exception of a couple guys that that still mouth off after games, these guys are hugging and shaking hands and all that stuff. They're friends. They hang out after, after the game. They don't need some defensive coordinator coming in saying, hey, this dude's got a bad knee, just take him out. Greg Williams is kind of a D-bag. He doesn't belong in the NFL. I don't know why he keeps getting jobs. He's always filled with controversy. He's kind of a laughing stock. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I know when he went to the uh, the Jets, there was some press conference, and he started saying all this really weird stuff. And it's just like, it was just cringy. Like, why is he still in the league? Ugh. I found it. Now I remember what it was. I'm just I'm just going to play it. Just remember, this is, the guy, this is the guy that got busted for Bounty Gate. Pretty sure there were recordings. Let me read you a little bit about this. This is from Wikipedia. On March 2nd, 2012, it was revealed that during Williams' tenure, the Saints ran an illegal bounty fund which paid players for causing injuries to opponents that would result in those players leaving the game. 
The NFL found that Williams and as many as 27 Saints players uh, were involved in the scheme. An unidentified Saints player first alerted the NFL to the scheme in 2010 offseason, but the investigation stalled until the NFL found irrefutable evidence of a bounty system just before the 2011-12 playoffs. A league investigation revealed that Williams began the bounty. Remember, Williams. Williams began the bounty system soon after he arrived in New Orleans, after Peyton charged him to make the Saints' defense nasty. Players usually earned $1,000 for card-offs, $1,500 for knockouts, although payments were known to triple during the playoffs, though they were encouraged to put their winnings back into the pot in order to raise the stakes as the season went on. Investigation found that Peyton tried to cover it up, etc., etc. So that that's what happened. That's what he did. Peyton said, hey, I want you to make this defense nasty. He gave, which $1,000. Can you imagine being a multimillionaire and, and trying to get people carted off? and knocking people right in the head for for a thousand bucks that's insane but here is greg williams shortly after he joined the jets Odell beckham jr saying yesterday you coached dirty hits and that you told players to injure him in the preseason game in 2017. odell who that was a that was jerry you know, that's just, you know, those are the things. I think there's been several players. I just found out about it, but we've got several players that have already come out and, you know, that have mentioned things about that. We don't do that. Never done it anywhere I've been. Uh, we don't do anything to hurt the team. It's the number one primary thing. You're committing penalties. You're doing those type of stuff. We just don't do it. And, you know, you guys are cooperating, giving him attention. Just don't give him attention, you know. And it just is what it is. Is it discouraging on some level? Though he is one of the great, he's one of the most dynamic players in the league. For him to even—that's your opinion. He's one of the what's better the, players. What, what's New York's opinion? He's one the of Giants' the, opinion. What do, what do the Giants do? The no, Giants. No, are, so that, that's not a question okay. for me. But, well, so I you don't think he's one of the most dynamic players. I do, I, you know, here's the deal: we got to play against whoever comes out of the huddle every single week. We play whoever comes out of the huddle. We do that every day in practice. You know, and there's some of those same kind of guys here. And we, we do that. Do you take <clears throat> any personal offense to a guy who's attacking your reputation? No, I don't. I mean, that's part of the, this is part of what we do, okay? And, and you believe what you believe, but people know, okay? And the people that know me know me. I don't have to defend that. So there's several things here, right? First of all, he thinks he's really funny. He just got accused, the Bounty Gate guy just got accused by an NFL player of trying to get guys to hurt Odell to take him out of the game. Now, maybe Odell's just spouting off. He does that a lot. But his response to that, first of all, is to make a joke, which was a stupid joke. Nobody laughed, and so it was really cringy and uncomfortable. And then he goes on to say a blatant lie, which makes it seem super suspicious, saying, I've never coached anyone to do that anywhere in my life. Okay. Not the best defense, (laughs) counselor. And then just the fact that, so... Even if it's fake, you listen to the other questions that came up, it's all about attacking Odell. It's all about what about your reputation? What about that? Why would the Packers want that kind of attention? I don't think the players are going to like him. I think he's going to bring a ton of negative press. Again, even if he's not doing those things anymore, first of all, he is an old school coach. That's how he coaches. Not necessarily that he co- it has to be bounty, but he coaches nasty. And if he doesn't coach nasty, you know, it's the same with what I said about Mike McCarthy. You can't just change how you coach and be just as good. You you know how to do what you know how to do. He knows how to coach throwback nasty defenses. And so now we got to coach like this different. I just, I don't think so. But then just, again, the negative press and do the players even want to work with him? Do the coaches want to work with him? No, nobody wants to work with this guy. Beyond that, the final argument is the Jets hired him. That should tell you everything you need to know. The Jets hired him and they won what, one game all year? Or do they end up winning two in the end because they're stupid? But this was this was by far the worst team in football. And it wasn't just their offense. It was a, a team that historically has had terrible offenses, but pretty good defenses. This guy shows up, and the defense is a joke. You got guys like Jamal Adams saying, get me out of here. There's there's nothing that I really like about this guy here. So that's my thought on Greg Williams. Again, I'm sorry I don't know your exact question. Maybe that wasn't your question. But, again, I got to kind of just take and run with it. Feel free to clarify tomorrow. Maybe we'll follow up. But um, as far as my thoughts on bringing in Greg Williams, I feel like it's a it's about as clear of a no as you can find. And in general, I I tend to like the idea of bringing in newer, younger people. Not that it has to be, but again, I I just think there's going to be a little bit of rust with the older guys. You know, even with Mike Pettin, he knows what he knows, and I'm sure he did a good job of trying to modernize what he does. 
But there are young guys who just are modern, right? Like Matt LaFleur. He doesn't have to adapt his current system to the modern style of the West Coast offense. He is the modern style of the West Coast offense. Defenses are different now, and there are some guys that are just coming up, being taught how to run a defense in today's modern NFL. Now, you got to ask the question, can they then adapt to the future? But we don't have to worry about that today. We don't need to go out and find retreads. And, and the problem is, and I think a lot of teams make this mistake, you get guys like Adam Gase, you get guys like Greg Williams, and they come into a room and they're brilliant. They're brilliant. They've got so much experience. They understand the ins and outs of how to be a coach, how to be a coordinator, how to structure things, how to lead things, how to do all this stuff. They know that stuff up in their head. But in terms of how to actually coach a team to win football games, it's a completely different thing. And I don't think the owners that that pull the trigger on this stuff necessarily realize you know, this guy might know all the X's and O's and he'll be able to run circle. Some of these guys are smarter than Matt LaFleur. I mean, Adam Gase might be smarter than Matt LaFleur in terms of just how much quantity of knowledge that he has inside of his brain. That's different than what's useful knowledge. The big misconception about, um, you know, being knowledgeable, being, you know, smart, like somebody that can go on Jeopardy. That doesn't mean you know a lot of stuff. Certainly doesn't mean you have wisdom. Right? That's that's a constant mistake we make. You went to school for a long time, accumulated tons of knowledge, so now if I ask you about a topic that you don't necessarily know about, you're going to give me the best answer. No, that's that's wisdom. That's how do you take the available information and come to the best conclusion. That's different than how much garbage have you accumulated and stored inside your brain. Two completely different questions. And I think people miss that when they're looking at coaches. This guy's super knowledgeable. He knows a lot. Yes, he knows a lot of stuff. What does that have anything to do with his ability to stop modern-day offenses? To solve that riddle. Does he know how to do that? Well, I don't know, but he's been around. Yeah, he's been around. And I bet if he was going up against Brett Favre, he would surely do a good job of shutting him down. But it's not 2002 anymore. So, I mean, and it doesn't have to be some 34-year-old. I'm, I'm just saying generally, um, and, I, and I think it's tough, and, it, and it's a high-risk thing to go out and get a, a young guy because you don't know if they can handle the other part, right? You don't, the, the, the there's... A lot of value to the wisdom that they have, and you know that they can be a good coordinator. It's just a matter of can you kind of modernize yourself, and it seems like that's a smaller bridge to cross. And I'm sure they know how to sell themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Look, and he and he can he can talk the talk. Right? He knows how to regurgitate. He's been to the classes. He can say what the class what what they say. It's kind of like people that they say they they can understand a language, but they can't speak it. So if somebody's speaking Chinese and you say, hey, do you know what they're saying? They're like, yeah, he's saying uh, go left on. Uh, Broadway Street there. That's where the, the Taco Bell is. Wow, he can speak Chinese. No, he understands Chinese. He can tell you what that means. If you put something in front of him, he can explain it to you. I'm talking about on game day, an offense is doing this. What are you going to do about it? How do you build this team? What You know, completely different. So that's just my general thought. Again, I I understand bringing in the vets. I understand bringing in these guys like Mike Pettin. He's, a, he's an absolutely brilliant person, as is today Dom Capers which is why he continues to get jobs with the people like the Minnesota Vikings. The guy is a brilliant, brilliant person. But how much of that brilliance, when you boil it down to value in 2021, is left over? It's, it's a lot of just stuff up there. And, and again, he's been around so long, I'm sure he can be a, a useful tool to some degree, right? There's just certain things you want to go to Dom for or, or to Petten for. And when you ask him a question, he is just going to blow your mind with the amount of knowledge and, and understanding. And it's going to be like, this guy is going to be amazing. And it just doesn't work out. I was looking for a different question, and I came across this one that also kind of fits in what we're talking about. So we'll just we'll go here first. This is from Pacman14 on Twitter, also known as at uh, Vault14Hunter. But uh, he was asking me, and sorry I didn't get back to you, man. I just didn't notice, I guess, that you sent me all these messages. But he says, I'm curious as to why there are coaches in the NFL that are really good coordinators, but bad head coaches. Todd Bowles is a good example. Matt Patricia, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and again, this is, this is kind of the same faulty thinking in terms of if you can do one, you can do the other, right? We, we need an offensive guru to run this team, so we're going to get somebody who's a really good offensive coordinator. You're going to get something, but there's, it's, just, it's, a different, it's a different thing than people think it is. It's being a head coach, like a lot of people have described it, is like being a CEO. There's so much that goes on just from the standpoint of how do you structure this team? What do you do on what days? Where do you? There's not enough time to do everything you need to do. How do you allocate your time? 
there's there's a general energy and a dynamic. Like, what kind of a locker room are we going to have, and how are we going to accomplish that? Do you want super mean football players, right? Because everything has a negative side to it. When things go bad, it it brings out a different face. This is why I've talked about before. Usually, when you have like a super strict coach and things go south, and usually they go great. You know, the strict coach comes in, he cleans stuff up, they become more disciplined, it becomes a good team, right? Then he loses the locker room because he's, things are going badly and he's trying to be strict and he's really cracking down on guys and they don't want to hear it. And so they start doing all this kind of stuff. And so that's not working out. And so then they go get a little bit more of a laid back guy, you know, and they respond to him and the locker room gets great. And they want to they, they're going to die for this guy and they go out and they play their hearts out for him. And it's all wonderful. But then they get a little bit of la- a little bit lax and they're not really disciplined. And they, you know, it's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So there's always a positive and a negative. But you got to be able to structure these things. It's not just being a play caller, right? That's what an offensive coordinator is or a defensive coordinator is. And the fact of the matter is, how much time do you even have to be a really good defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator? Todd Bowles is trying to do all this other stuff. He's trying to make personnel decisions. Who do we play? Who do we sit? Who's in? Who's out? What's the game plan, offensive and defensive, right? You got you have to build a, a coaching staff. You got to have guys under you that are going to be calling the plays, that are going to be doing all this stuff. And if, if you're going to be calling the plays, you got to have somebody that's doing your other jobs on the sideline while you're doing that. And how you manage all this stuff, it makes a difference in, in how you're going to how successful you're going to be. Otherwise, if you're just a good play caller on offense or defense, you're just a good play caller on offense or defense. Whether or not you can do that extra stuff, it determines whether or not you can be a good head coach. And that's also why it's so hard. And I generally don't like the coaching questions because I have no idea. I don't know how anybody does these things. And there's so many. So it makes football crazy, man. There's so many variables in everything. Is he a good defensive coordinator? Does he have good players? Has he always been kind of lucky? You know, is it just, you know, there's all these different things. If he's a good defensive coordinator and goes somewhere else, why is he no good over there? It's weird. I don't know. I have no idea. There's just so many intertwining things. And there's so many times you see a person that's not successful, not successful, not successful. And then they go to the right place and they're successful. It's just all the stars aligned, right? If you're a defensive coordinator, you have the right head coach. You have the right GM, right? The head coach supports you in the right ways and and a GM that gets you the right personnel that you need. And you just got the right players for your system and for your scheme and everything just kind of the stars align and boom, magically you're a good defensive coordinator. Because I think in anything, for the most part, there's always other factors. There's never anybody that's just perfectly good in a vacuum and no matter where they go, no matter their situation, no matter all these things, that dictates, I mean, it just, it stays the same. That's not the way it works. If people leave and go somewhere else, it's going to be probably a little bit different because it just, it, everything is so intertwined in football. Now I can't find the question. I don't see it on Twitter or Facebook or anything. So it's, sorry, I can't uh, say who said the question, but I have heard several people bring up Jim Leonard. Um, and it, I, you know, it's one of those things where you, you try not to be biased about it because obviously we're talking about a Wisconsin guy. He was born in Ladysmith, Wisconsin. He was a safety for, I think, seven different football teams. He comes back to Wisconsin because he's a Wisconsin guy at heart. He learns all about sort of modern-day defenses, which technically is some of it is, is college stuff that maybe you don't see as much in the pros, which could be a negative. But um, the NFL does also steal from it. So, I mean, he's going to be um, kind of on the cutting edge of that. But also, for the most part, people just love the Badgers' defense. You look at a defense where these these are guys that are not getting drafted in the first round. A lot of these guys aren't getting drafted at all. If they do, you get like a fourth-round linebacker or a fifth-round edge rusher or something, and they don't usually pan out super well in the pros. But look how good they are. They're they're attacking, and they're they're this kind of 3-4 defense that's just they fly to the ball. And I mean, you, you just got to respect it. I mean, I, I always said the Badgers are kind of boring because of the way that they play football, but this is part of it. This is part of what makes them boring is the other team has a hard time moving the ball too. And so I think uh, a lot of people respect that. You know, it's I'm so glad PFF finally has a uh, NCAA thing. But if, if you look at their defense, and again, keep in mind how, how talented they are. When I look at this team, there are three guys that are in the 80s or higher, higher. And one of those guys didn't hardly play at all. He played in two games, 13 snaps, Titus Toller, safety. The other two guys, not surprisingly, are linebackers. He does a fantastic job with linebackers, but Jack Sanborn, and Leo Chanel. I don't I don't really know these guys, so if I mispronounce her name, I'm sorry. I'm actually surprised how I don't know. Oh, there's a Getz. I wonder if there's... I know two different Getzes. My wife's family and I had a friend in high school from Wisconsin. There's a lot of Getzes in Wisconsin. Anyways, 
On top of that, you've got 11 guys that are in the 70s or higher, and most of them are very low 70s. Remember, 70 is just good. The rest of this, and it's college, so there's a lot more players than the NFL. Seven guys that are good on an NFL team is not bad. There's 44 different defensive players here. We've got 11 that are in the 70s or higher. If you look at coverage grades, there's two that are in the 70s or higher. One of them is that Titus Toller guy who hardly ever played, which leaves one guy, Fayon Hicks, cornerback, and he was at a 70.7. So there's just like one guy who's barely any good. Again, Wisconsin doesn't recruit the best guys in the world, but they do a good job. I mean, even this past year, I mean, they started the season, they allowed 7 points, 11 points, 17 points, 14 points, and then the two big games, they allowed 28 and 28. I mean, it's just weird in college football to not see like 50s and 40s and stuff. 7, 11, 17, 14, 28, 17, 28. You know, you look at the offensive fluctuation, 45, 49, 7, 6, 7, 20, 42. That seems like college to me. <laughs> but again, and I like that. It's just consistently stingy. You're, you struggle to get yards. You struggle to, to complete passes. You struggle to get first downs. You struggle to get points. So, and, and again, there's so many questions that I can't answer about the guy. I have no idea what happens when he comes into the pros, his understanding of things, his ability to lead a locker room of professionals as opposed to college players, which is a night and day difference. I have no idea what he can do, how he can do any of that stuff. But um, anyways, we got to take a break. It's kind of weird. It's a very late break, and we don't have much to talk about afterwards. But uh, let's do it anyways. We'll take a break, and we're on the other side going to do our college football question and answer. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So this is a question on Instagram from LeBron913. And he says, who do you think we draft in the first round? A pretty straightforward question, right? Obviously, the answer is I have no idea, but let's talk about it. So as of right now, and this isn't even my most updated mock, it's just the one I have available, or not mock, I mean my most updated uh, big board, but it's it's relatively the same. If you're looking at everybody's favorite positions and the players that are sort of in that range right now, you've got, for example, Davion Nixon, who is the Iowa defensive tackle. I do not like him. I haven't really watched him. Uh, we can delve into that a little bit more if you like, and, and maybe if I watch him, I'll really like him, but I just... Not a huge fan. All right, I'll, I'll summarize it for you. I think he's a guy that is getting a lot of hype because of the, the flashy stats really exploded, but they're deceiving. As far as linebackers, you've got Zaven Collins and Dylan Moses. I don't think Dylan Moses is going to be a good value. He continues to fall, and I think he's going to continue, continue, continue to fall. He had a terrible, terrible, terrible 2020, and unless he was just injured and fought through something, um, his 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 value just tanked. But Zaven Collins is extremely popular. Had a great year via PFF and everybody else's assessment, so that is certainly an option. As far as uh, additional defensive tackles, Christian Barmore is a very popular one out of Alabama. He seems very love-hate. Again, I haven't watched him. I have a feeling I'm going to love him because I always really like Alabama defensive tackles, even though I know they usually don't pan out. I still just really like them, Raekwon being my most recent, and he was actually very good this year, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. Quite dominant. As far as wide receivers, and again, there's a lot of other names that you could put in here. But as it stands right now, according to where things are sitting at that you know range where the Packers are picking, 
The biggest names are Rondale Moore, who's probably going to be gone, and then Terrace Marshall, who seems like a little bit of an, a, a reach at this point. But again, it's it's things can fluctuate so much. Terrace Marshall might go in at pick 20. He might be third-round pick. I don't know. Offensive lineman, you got Trey Smith, who's an offensive guard. You got Alex Leatherwood, the tackle out of Alabama. There's some other guys that are kind of moving up and down boards. Uh, Rashawn Slater was kind of a reach, and then he was a good pick, and now he seems like he's going to be gone, but we'll see. Sam Cosme was like a potential top 10. He's starting to drop down the boards a little bit. Um, Jalen Mayfield is a right tackle out of Michigan, which is certainly an option. I'm actually going through tackles, so if you have tackle questions, hit me with it because I'm I'm kind of creating my own little uh, cheat sheet. Depending on how awesome it is, it might actually be somewhat of a draft guide. I don't really know how that's going to pan out, but um, some really cool information. You've also got Elijah Vera Tucker, who is a guard out of USC. Creed Humphreys, a center out of Oklahoma. Keep an eye on him, depending on what happens with um, Corey Lindsley. I know we have a guy that can play center, but, you know, gives you a little bit of flexibility with Elton Jenkins, right? If you have a good center that you like, you can draft him, and then Elton plays guard. If you find a really good guard you like, you could, then it's kind of up in the air, I guess. You could have him play center or guard, depending on how you want to do that. He's probably going to end up playing center. Cornerbacks, Darian Kendrick went back to school. That was a very popular pick in this range. Um, otherwise, Sean Wade has completely fallen down the board. I really doubt the Packers pick him up because he's basically strictly a slot corner, and I don't think the Packers are going to be looking for that, which is also probably why he's going to slip kind of probably pretty deep into the uh, the second round. Otherwise, I mean, it, there's not a lot here. I mean, I got to go back to pick 47 here with Eric Stokes. Um, we talked about Asante Samuel. He's sitting at 49. That's certainly an option. There are some edge options, which doesn't seem all that interesting, and I don't know if it needs to be a first-round pick, but it's not impossible. If Preston does leave, we have Rashawn, we have Zadarius, and we have nobody behind him. So you got guys like Carlos Basham, Jalen Phillips, Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh. Um, if you are interested in a safety, which seems a little silly because we got two really good ones, but obviously three safeties is not all that unpopular. You've got the two deep safeties. You've got safeties that they like to play in the box. You've got safeties that can play in the slot. There's a lot of versatility with safeties, so Javon Holland would be a guy to keep an eye on. He's sort of a safety-slash-corner hybrid. They could possibly even draft him and just play him as a corner if they really like him in that capacity, so that could be an option. Um, so those are just kind of the the guys. I mean, there's Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, which is pretty unlikely, but he's, he's there. Otherwise, I think that's it. Uh, outside of running back, uh, going through the list here, that's pretty much it, yeah. That that still brings me to one thing, and, and he's not super high on the board, but I'm incredibly intrigued intrigued by him based on um, his statistics and his grades because I'm, I'm going through the, the – I think he was the highest-graded player in all of college football, possibly. I don't really know. Might be getting that wrong. But there is an offensive tackle by the name of Brady Christensen. Interestingly enough, um, when we were talking to – uh, Coach Hahn, just kind of generally talking about this uh, thing we were trying to put together or whatever, he he brought up Brady Christensen, which I thought was funny because he's a guy that I, I had seen. Like, I was looking at the grades, like, dude, this guy grades out really, really well. And his statistics are ridiculous and everything else. He allowed three pressures on the whole season. Highest graded offensive tackle in all of college football. And nobody really talks about the guy. And um, so he brought up Brady as a good option for the Packers because apparently he's mobile and can, can kind of you know, play the way the Packers play. So we've got a six foot six, three hundred pound tackle who's basically never had a bad day in his entire career. He has a ninety six overall grade, ninety five point two pass blocking grade, ninety five point five run blocking grade, which is a massive improvement over last year. Um, you know, still very good, eighty one point four. I guess the biggest question mark is the fact that he played for BYU. So I mean, who is the most challenging? team he went up against but still it's so dominant you gotta think people are looking his way so it's it's kind of weird but it's one of those things where I, I first of all I feel like Brady's gonna go flying up the boards I, I think um the one thing PFF is gonna be able to do is you have a lot of people who haven't invested a ton of time yet they start turning on the tape they start getting to different prospects and I think you're gonna have a lot of people's jaw hit the floor when they get to Brady um so I think he's probably going to go up the boards, and it's also one of those things where, you know, you're looking for somebody that you don't necessarily expect the Packers to pick, and right now he's not expected to be a super high pick. I don't even know if I put him on here. Uh, you got Carmen, you got Walker Little, scrolling, scrolling, Liam Eikenberg, looking at all the tackles on my big board to see if he's even on here. Abraham Lucas at 107, Josh Ball at 112, 
Yeah, we're getting close. Uh, Aze, I think, went back to school. Where is he? Alaric Jackson. There he is, 159. So he's quite a ways down this list. So, you know, I, he's not very well liked right now by people that have, that have scouted him. But again, um, statistics are fantastic. The grades are through the roof. Highest, one of the high, I mean, 96 overall grade. If he's not the highest overall player in PFF uh, this year, he's up there. And, and again, he's been consistent. I think his worst pass blocking grade he got was against San Diego State, 78.8. Zero sacks, zero hits in a hurry he gave up. So, and, and again, you know, we're looking for somebody that's mobile. And according to, um, according to coach, of, and I, I may be mistaken, and I'm sorry if that's not who you reference. I'm pretty sure this is who you reference. Um, he does have that that athleticism to be able to play the outside zone that, that Matt LaFleur likes, and he's a very good run blocker. Very, very good. So I, it's weird because he's so far down the list, but it's like if you told me just give me a name, just pick a name out that the Packers are going to pick, I'm just I'm saying Brady Christensen. He's not going to be in any, any of my mocks because I don't want people to to never uh, watch my YouTube videos and unsubscribe, but it's just, it's just somebody I'm going to keep an eye on and see where he's moving on the boards and all that stuff. Um, and definitely need to go watch the guy. But that's just a name I'm going to throw out. Uh, th- these these boards are going to be shifting a lot because again, this is the time when guys actually start uh, watching things. It's also when you start to get rumored, right? Because there's a lot of groupthink that goes on with these these draft communities, and so they've kind of locked themselves into certain opinions that maybe they wouldn't have if there wasn't this community that feels a certain way. But then you're going to get teams that don't give a crap what the group think is, and a couple rumors are going to come out. And then immediately the group think shifts to whatever the teams think. And so we're, we're going to start to get some draft, drastic shifts, and I'm extremely excited about it. If you haven't really gotten involved in the draft, I'm telling you it's like a whole different sport, and it's a lot of fun. It seems overwhelming, and I don't care about college football and all this stuff. I don't like college football. I don't watch it. I love the draft. I love the draft with a passion. It sounds weird, but it, it's just like I don't want to watch a game, but I want to watch the prospect. And you could do that. And if you want to get involved in the draft, you want to start getting excited because it's like football's over. I have nothing to do. I'm telling you, there's a whole offseason of fun here leading up to the draft. And if, if you want some help uh, moving in a certain direction, I can certainly help you with that. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a wonderful, fantastic whatever day it is. I think it's Wednesday. It is. Have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>